electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. A rip-roaring rally on Wall Street as the wild market swings continue. Welcome to Fast Money, everybody. Another big night for you. I'm Brian, and your traders tonight are Tim, Steve, Dan, and Guy. All right, look at this move. 1,100 points, call it the Biden bounce, the stimulus surge, whatever you want to call it, call it another monster day for investors. The Dow surging 4.5%. That is more than 1,100 points. And by the way, the second biggest point game ever, of course, the biggest... Is only on Monday. With this move higher, the Nasdaq also turning positive for the year, and all 11 sectors finishing firmly in the green on the <laughs> S&P 500. But hey, don't look now because over there in the bond market, yields—they're still trading near all-time lows. The 10-year rose a little bit, but it's at 1.06 percent yesterday. Of course, below 1 percent. So we're going to do something a little bit different at the top tonight. Everybody ready? Go. All right. Let's do it, Brian. We are going to go around the table, mm-hmm. and I want each of you to give our viewers a simple answer to a simple question. Starting with you, Guy Dami. Yes, sir. Why were we up 1,100 points today? <laughs> the short answer is I have no idea, Brian. But <laughs> Thank I mean, you if for you're playing. asking me to guess, listen, I think Joe Biden had a lot to do with it. I think you brought that up. <clears throat> I mean, maybe in retrospect, this global central bank uh, – nonsense or lunacy sort of kicked in. Uh, Maybe we were in an oversold condition, but I got to tell you, last night sitting here at the same time, I thought given that close with the Fed news, we'd absolutely retest that 2900 level. Clearly that didn't happen today. With that said, you know, the VIX is still north of 30. I'd love to say all clear. I'm not ready to say it yet. Dan, why are we up today? Yeah, I, the VIX doesn't really concern me much. I think rates you mentioned, you know, we're, while we're still at the lows here, I think a little stabilization. I think that 0.999 thing uh, below the 1% on the 10-year got people's attention here. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think earlier when we were talking, you know, small caps were underperforming this morning. I mean, everything caught a bid. Everything caught a bid. And I think rate stabilizing is probably a good thing. And I think there's very few people out there who really want to see things come unhinged here. So the fact that the Fed did what they did, and then there was a little volatility after that, but finally a little bit of a bottom. I think it was the $50 billion in IMF making it available for, mm. to fight it. $8 billion here to fight it. And basically socialism has taken a rear seat or back seat. So hence Biden, that, those three things I think were the major things why the market rallied. I just think it was positioning, Brian. I think, you know, we were so oversold that, you know, a couple days here, plus five, minus five, plus five, you know, whatever, um, gets you to a place where still a good part of the market is really struggling to, to kind of hold above the 200-day. The S&P did a nice job with that. The triple Qs actually have a little bit more room to plumb. But if you look underneath the surface, there are certainly parts of this market that really haven't rallied at all. And we've talked about the Treasury bond yield. Uh, you can also say that the bottom, the short end of the curve is actually held the distress levels of two days ago. It tells you that the Fed's got to move more. We won't get into that because we, we probably will get into that. But I'd rather talk about how transports, uh, retail uh, and banks are basically not catching a bid. And, and that's telling you something about the economy. It's telling you about the cyclicality uh, of, of whatever this rally is. There's no question that the 
complacency to me that, that accompanies and has been a part of central banks being a part of our lives for every day since 2008 um, is part of the reason why the market remains. I know even with the 30 VIX, whatever, it's somewhat complacent. Uh, the bears have not really crept up. Yeah. Mike Santoli does a nice job. Uh, to, he, Santoli talked about the bull bear indicators, the AAII. Bears haven't really gotten that nasty yet. It's just that the bulls have pulled back a hair, and I don't think that's very healthy. I, th- I think that the bottom line, though, you start off the show saying why. And I, and I think the fact that we're going to have... Why, you know why I asked that? Why? Because I also have no idea. Well, th- that's I usually the market, have a sniff though. of that's an idea. Market. Everyone's going to have a different idea. Two 1,100-point gains in three days. So you did have the airline CEOs in the White House. Those were the first ones to take off today. That was that last leg higher in the overall market. So when you, when you watch those two things happen, everyone wants to jump on board because they think there's a bottom forming. And that's what I think you saw today. Yeah, it's interesting. Steve mentions a $50 billion in it. He's right. But how much money, you know, schools are, this is, just, this is not me speaking out of school. Schools are closing. People are not traveling. I have conferences I'm supposed to go to that have been canceled. It's not just me. So, again, I don't know that money is the cure for this. Now, the market might think so, but I do think, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but I do think more bad news is in store in terms of what it means fiscally to this Yeah, country. but I, I think fiscally is the most important word that you just use there because this is really not a health crisis. It's turned into a financial crisis. That's really what, what's going on here. If you think about just the toll of just contaminated people and how many people are dying and even if it's a 3.4% uh, mortality rate, we're, we're talking about tiny numbers in a planet of 7 billion people. So to yeah. me, the issue really is, and we talked a lot about this last night because we were talking about what does the 50 basis point cut really mean. What it means is, and to Steve's point, you got the IMF, everybody's getting on board here, and at least you have a backstop in- initially for what is a brewing financial crisis. But I think, you're, I think you're right. This is not about the death toll, because I think no matter how you slice it, we're going to find out more people have it and more people are asymptomatic. Yeah, so more, that's going to create but, more, but, more, but, more people. Get it, we're not doctors. It's just about the okay, shutting no, no, down I'm just the following economy. the facts. I'm just following the economy. like every other market participant. So it is having an effect on the overall economy. That's the bad side of it. But what happens is when people sit there and trade, they trade like this was Ebola. They trade like this was the Black Plague. And it's not. I, I could, one of hold those. on, but I want to go back to what you said earlier, Steve. I could say today was the Biden bounce, if you want to call it that, because of what happened last night. But that wouldn't explain Monday. It, but what, what do you, nobody what do you, expected this kind of result last night. I'll tell yeah, you, but, uh, can, I, can I help out? Um, not that Steve isn't doing just fine. What I would like to say <laughs> is, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I think you have a case here where, first of all, would the Fed pull back this accommodation if coronavirus was solved tomorrow? No. no. Um, and that's the scary thing, but that's exactly what the market loves. So you want to know why the market at least has found some ability to kind of, uh, you know, find some middle ground. And, and I don't think equities get away from us here. I, I think you have a dynamic where it, it, we are dealing with the reality of slower growth. And, and it's not recession. It's, it's slower growth and it's lower earnings, whatever happens to the economy. But you can't tell me we don't come out of this uh, in, in a world where there's more challenges to global growth. And I realize every central bank Possibly every government, although we don't know, are going to be throwing whatever they can at it. Yeah, but, you know, it's really interesting. I was watching the halftime report today, and there was two uh, strategists tripping on over
over each other to kind of one up the other's uh, 3,400 uh, target in the S&P 500. And the equation was, well, if I'm trying to get to four, it could be eight minus four gets me to four. They were talking about how the back half of this thing is going to be loaded. And that's how we get back up to the prior highs in the S&P 500. I just don't see it. I don't know how, if you think about last year, consensus for S&P earnings was about 177 or 178. It's going to come in at 163 or 164 for 2019. This year was the same thing. Yeah. They were expecting 177. There's no way that happens. So if you're right, telling me more that we're going to have, I know, but if you're telling me that we're going to have the second year of multiple expansion, given to all the issues that you say that we have as far as headwinds to growth, it just can't be the Fed that does it on the way to zero percent interest down. rates. We're still down. The Nasdaq is up year to date with today's move, but the Dow is, I think, still down six or five or six percent. It's not like we've had a good 2020 from a market. So we're, for, we're two months respectfully. I mean, this is March, whatever it is. So you don't 20, need to do it respectfully. We just go out non-respectfully. Disrespectfully. But, disrespectfully. But to, to your point, I mean, this market was, in my opinion, was on extraordinarily shaky ground before anybody heard the term coronavirus. Yields were going lower. Gold was going higher. We had no earnings growth. All we had was multiple expansion. What has changed on that front? Nothing. Yep. And then you've added this unknown. And earnings, you're not going to see earnings growth this year. So you want to play the, the, the multiple expansion game? That's fine. I think you both nailed it. You both And it wasn't going to sell off on trade. It wasn't going to sell off on, anything, on Iran. It wasn't going to sell off on anything else. It picked this because it said we have no clue. How to analyze this virus? So let's sell. And yet we first. went up 1,100 points today, and 1,100 points on Monday. A lot of it was positioned. We're down 900 the day before. Yeah, and down last Friday you had the month end, so you okay. had 30 billion coming into equities, and now you're going to have that residual effect today, this week, and whatnot. But if you take off Bernie Sanders as we started the show, that lets people breathe a whole lot easier when it's not the off. By the way, let's bring another voice. Let's bring another voice. Okay, the market, unlike us or me anyway, was in a pretty calm ride for most of last year. We had solid gains in 2019. We had almost no big down days, and this year started kind of the same. Look at that chart. Then February 20th hit. And so did the volatility. Multi-hundred point down days, a big losing streak of more than a week, then a thousand point gain on Monday, a drop yesterday, and another thousand point gain today. Got a good stat put on the Twitter from Trading Nation guest Eddie Elfenbein. This is the S&P 500's third daily move of up or down 4% in the last week. In the eight years before that, there were two total, three in a week, two in the previous eight years. Let's talk more about the big market swings, maybe how you can navigate them. Joining us is Amanda Agate, PNC Financial's chief market strategist. No doubt listening to us talk and thinking I want to jump in and say, Amanda, what? Well, I definitely agree with the move today being largely a function of, uh, as you said, the Biden bounce. Um, you know, we had been coming into this year talking a lot with our clients about the volatility around the 2020 election. And so the prospect of a Sanders versus Trump election became really real uh, just in the last few weeks with some key wins out of primary states for Sanders. And so I think the market really started to wrestle uh, with that becoming a re reality. It was very much an underappreciated risk uh, from our perspective. And so to the extent that Biden had this really strong win and resurgence and strength last night, 
um, you know, with basically taking the South and the big win in Texas, of course the markets are going to breathe uh, a collective sigh of relief. You know, if you think about Trump versus Sanders, that's a really, really polarizing uh, election season. We have two candidates at the opposite ends of the spectrum. And last time I checked, you can't, you know, average the two and get to a moderate outcome. So markets hate uncertainty. And I think this just really injected a lot of uncertainty into the equation. Uh, and I guess, and Amanda, um, you know, I don't want do to make how you... How do you price this outcome? I don't want to make you a political analyst because these days nobody wants that, I'm sure. But I, but I will ask no. this. We'll ask this. Um, first off, well, Sanders is not out. I mean, he hasn't dropped out. He's still got a lot of delegates, and there's still a very much a path forward for him. So, so him, he being there still exists. But is it because Sanders at least lost a bit last night, or is it the market saying that, that Trump could beat Biden more, or if that Biden wins, it's not going to be that different from what we have now? Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be a two-person sprint to the finish. So we're not counting out Sanders by any means, but kind of felt like Biden basically didn't have a shot, uh, you know, in the weeks or so leading up to this. And so to really come from behind at the 11th hour with the base consolidating around him was pretty significant in terms of a sentiment-related shift. I think at the end of the day, the market can very much live with a Trump versus Biden election, is it, as you said, it's going to be more of the same out of the current administration or, in the case of Biden, just a more moderate approach to policy. And the big rally we had today in healthcare sector, very reflective of that potential outcome. Hey, Amanda, can you weigh in a little bit on this valuation for the S&P 500 debate? You know, obviously last year we were just talking about it, multiple expansion. This year, the likelihood of high single digits earnings growth doesn't seem particularly likely. But even if there is just given a mulligan or there's an asterisk next to 2020 EPS, where should this market be trading, excluding politics and excluding the black swan of the coronavirus? Well, actually, we so on a forward P basis, we've seen the S&P 500 drop a couple of multiple points just in the last few weeks. So we were at cycle highs from a forward P valuation perspective. Um, <clears throat> frankly, you know, we, we said coming into this year that that is reasonable, elevated, but not extreme, given the fact that we have very low rates, very low inflation and a cyclically improving backdrop. So earnings growth looked like it was building momentum coming into 2020, um, even economic growth and J.P. Morgan's global manufacturing PMI index, you know, posted five months of uh, expansion or moved into expansionary territory just recently. And so there was this really buildup um, and potential acceleration, largely a function in our view of all the stimulus that came into the system last year. So at 19 <clears throat> times PE, I mean, you can't uh, pound the table and say, oh, the market is cheap here. But we did feel like valuations were, you know, somewhat justified based on the backdrop. Two multiple so, points cheaper. I mean, we'll take it. But again, we're, we're not really in a cheap place. Uh, we're more like fairly valued, I would say, on the S&P. Hey, man, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. So in terms of pounding the table, clearly table pounding in the equity market today uh, and, and absolutely running away from the table. In other words, uh, people loving the bond market in, in a way that implies uh, the economy's not so good. Well, who's right? Totally yeah, I mean, divergent. I just think it's in. I just think it's insane that we continue to see these massive flows into fixed income investments. I mean, the tailwinds. Of course, we got this nice shot in the arm from an emergency rate cut yesterday. But the tailwinds from massive rate cuts over the last, you know, twelve plus months, and even spreads tightening. I think 
really set the stage for a strong bond market performance that we just don't think is repeatable to the same degree this year. And so, you know, as much as I, it pains me to say that I think the bond market is actually right at the moment, because I'm very much an equity girl at heart, I do think the bond market is telling us kind of the right story here. You know, it, this is not 2008. The credit markets are not frozen. The two-year to 10-year portion of the yield curve has steepened. Even before the Fed took action yesterday, it was already steepening. And so that, to me, is signaling that this is a short-term speed bump yeah. as it relates to growth. It's not a permanent impairment. No, and I, I know you're going to say, oh, well, the 10-year is at, you know, 1%. But you know, the Fed rate cut yesterday, huge gravitational pull, and then the negative yielding debt around the globe. It's also creating a lot of distortions and kind of, you know, mucking up the signal, if you will, um, in terms of rates. Uh, well said. I couldn't have said it better, Amanda. Gate at PNC. Amanda, we'll get you back anytime. Thank you very much. You know, it's, it's and smart people reminding me that, that Biden won on Saturday, and so Monday may have been more likely of sort of a Biden bounce again. Which, which, by the way, is interesting because we've been talking so much about the coronavirus, guys. Anybody's jump in, which leads me to think that maybe the slide that we had was more politically based than we, we blamed it all on Corona. Look out for Rosie because she's the queen. I, and I, I just wonder if there's more political element to the market moves. No, look, we, let's, let's be clear. We thought about this in two, in two kind of phases. We thought about supply chain disruption. Uh, we thought the entire impact of the global integrated economy. We looked at Asia and we said, obviously, it uh, used to be uh, in, in the SARS days, we could identify and we could isolate and that this is a global economy. It's integrated. Then we adjusted uh, the impact on the demand side of the equation. Uh, it all adds up to uh, questioning where growth can be. And certainly, as Dan is pressing on, where can earnings be in an environment where we were arguably already facing three or four different rounds of headwinds over the last year and a half? That's what it is. And, and it, there's no question that the politics are something that had been swirling around this market for a long time, and I would have argued that they were not priced in. Um, but I, I, it's, it's hard for me to say that ah, this is really all about a relief on politics when, in fact, this is all about global growth. And, and, and there's some real questions. All right. It's a good discussion. One will continue, by the way. We're going to dive deeper into some of these surprising Super Tuesday results and take a look at the one sector that may have won bigger than Biden. Plus, they may be big dividend plays, but will they pay out for you? The desk make their picks for high-yielding names. Stock picks for you in this environment. A reminder, be sure to watch or listen to us live on the go from anywhere on the CNBC app. And we're back after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It has been a heck of a 24 hours for, let's call them, 
the triple B's, not bonds. Biden wins big. Bernie goes block and tackle and Bloomberg bails out. It's been a game changing day wow. in the election all around. Let's get to Kayla Tausche out west with more. Kayla. Brian, a game-changing day in the most populous state, California, isn't even fully tallied yet. California is still too early to call with 54 percent of the vote in, and Sanders is leading here. But Biden's breakout night closing the distance with Sanders. Biden now has 513 total delegates, according to NBC News. Bernie is at 461. Now, the next stretch of primaries includes a slew of swing states where moderate voters will again feature prominently. In last night's exit polls, we learned only a quarter of voters said that they were very liberal, and in most states, they viewed socialism unfavorably. Mike Bloomberg was unsuccessful in his bid for those voters, and this afternoon he gave his first public remarks after ending that 100-day, half-a-billion-dollar campaign, and he got a little emotional. Our campaign for a better America, a stronger America, a more just America, a more equal America, and a more united America continues, and together... We will get it done. Thank you. Part of the way he's going to do that is by endorsing former Vice President Joe Biden and pledging his resources toward that effort. But legally, Bloomberg can't give Biden his money outright. His campaign manager, Kevin Sheeky said on MSNBC last hour that Bloomberg's operation will instead serve as a vendor, providing data, staff, and other resources in that effort. Sheeky said those resources aren't just for Biden, but for congressional seats, too. We'll see exactly how and when there is that transfer of wealth, Brian, and what what exactly it does to Biden's effort, which has seen quite a surge in the last day. Yeah, that's an understatement. I think Kayla Tausche, Kayla, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. So that Biden bounce making the health care stocks and their investors feel really good today. Anthem, Centene, Humana, Cigna, all insurers posting their biggest one day rally since 2008, Guy Adami. Yes, sir. But, but one day doth not a rally make. No, 24 hours is not a day make, as I like to say. But UNH, for example, a name you didn't mention, but I'll throw it in with that group. In a month, this is a, almost a $300 billion company. Went from 270 to 305, 260 to 289 in the course of maybe 20 or so trading days. It's absurd. It's up 10% today. On a benign tape, into earnings, I still think this is a stock that, given below market multiple, given a 17 multiple, you're talking about a stock that should be trading north of $320. I think that's where it's going. But the fact that these stocks move 10% in a day is madness. I mean, there is nothing normal about Why this. The mar- Why is it mad? You're telling me that UNH business is, was 10% better today than it was yet. It's, it's complete and it's absurd. But, it, but it, if, if you think about it, they, they all still have a target on their back. It doesn't matter whether you're coming from the Bernie Sanders angle of what health care should be or the Joe Biden angle of what health care should be. Well, of course or it for matters, that matter, what President Trump said he basically no, wanted those companies to go away. All of these guys, it doesn't matter because they'll figure out. That, first of all, Sanders is not going to go win. He's not going to have undivided government. He's not going to do away with it. It's what you say on the campaign trail and what you do in the, uh, behind the seat at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not going to get done. But all these companies still have a target on their back. So I would take profits when you see, to Guy's point, the stock rally like this aggressively on a single day.
again, if you look at a lot of these stocks and, and you know, the signals of the world were a little bit more volatile. United Healthcare, though, is guys talking about this. This stock had been quietly and steadily heading to new highs and, in fact, in fact near highs when we got into what was in seemingly in a Corona-inspired pullback for the entire market and for United Healthcare. But, in fact, the snapback on whether it's Bernie and benign policy or not, hard to know, uh, or excuse me, uh, Biden and benign policy, all the alliteration, Brian, that I, now I have a lot of respect for what you were doing earlier. But the bottom line here is this is a company that's growing earnings 11, 12 percent. We saw J.P. Morgan upgrade their earnings two weeks ago after they gave a 2020 guide that was better than expected. Uh, and that's why you stay in healthcare because at a time when you're questioning where EPS is going to be, these are companies that actually are delivering at multiples that aren't that difficult. Yeah, and the way to do it, I mean, the XLV, which is the te- uh, the whatever select ETF, you know, it's UNH, it's uh, Johnson Johnson's Bristol, it's Merck. It, you know, that thing was uh, 90 bucks in October and it broke out and went to 105 and just last week on Friday, it touched 90. So here we are back at 100. I mean, that's kind of the way to play this thing, especially when you consider that a lot of those pharma issues, um, those companies have issues on the political front, but they also have supply chain issues with China. Um, so I think you want to kind of disperse your risk across a, a bunch of these names and obviously UNH and the move it had today really helped the XLV but I think that's the way to play it. All right good conversation on a big sector there. All right later today check out more today's big moves. You can go to our website at any time. In the meantime here's what else we have coming up on Fast. With interest rates hitting one all-time low after another where's a trader to go if they're hunting for yield? We take a look at the stock plays with some good prospects and later Energy ministers are gathering in Vienna ahead of tomorrow's OPEC meeting. But what do options markets expect their decision will mean for oil prices? We get some answers to that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, if you are looking at a live shot for the White House where the coronavirus task force is holding a media briefing, obviously, Vice President Mike Pence, if they make any market-moving headlines, reference any stocks, the Regenerons, the Gileads, other world, of course, we're going to bring you that, but they are giving an update right now. In the meantime, let's turn back to today's monster day on Wall Street. The Dow up more than 1,100 points again. But over in the bond market, yields, they continue to feel pressure. The 10-year note eyeing, not hitting, but getting close to a fresh record low. So that got us thinking. If you're searching for yield, you just want some cash, mm. right? Where can you find it? Well, maybe look to stocks because bonds aren't giving anything. And listen to this stat, which is definitely random but interesting. 71% of stocks in the S&P 500 are now yielding more than the 10-year Treasury. What's interesting is 
that music, that's but I thought in, it would be it, a lot higher than seventy-one percent. Was it? I think it was Galaga. Yeah, actually, Galaga. Yeah. right. So let's do a little yield hunting. We're looking at three sectors of the market with attractive yields, to some anyway. We're going to kick things off with a hard-hit retail sector. Names like Macy's, Kohl's, Gap, Tapestry, the former coach, all yielding more than 5%. Tim. Do you like any of them for a yield? Play? That's tough. And if you look at if you look at retail, it really I don't think has seen much of a bounce at all. If you look at all those names, they they actually traded up. Almost every one of those names, with the, I wouldn't say Coles is broken, and I wouldn't say Tapestry is broken. Um, I, I think Macy's certainly is broken, and I think Gap is still somewhat rudderless. Um, so Tapestry, based upon their last round of numbers, where they actually beat and they guided on their core business, which was uh, you know very respectable, gross margins close to sixty-seven percent. So you're never buying a company, I think, just for yield, because in the case of a Macy's, that's a 12 percent dividend yield because that stock's down 60 percent in the last 13 months. So I think you have to be very careful. We all know that you could one day lose that entire yield, and that's not a reason to buy a stock, in my view. Tapestry is the best all-around combination of fundamentals and a nice, chunky dividend. Tapestry is also one of the top ten albums of all time Carol by Carol King, 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 without question. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Don't at me, please, kids at home. And I'll, but I'll say this. Kohl's, to me, might be interesting. You had a big volume day, 15% or so short interest. The stock has been grim death. But you know what? Maybe you flushed some people out on this last move. So if you're looking for a risk-reward out of those retail names, Kohl's might actually be interesting. You, you don't think it's too late to get into Kohl's? Nice. You know, you're so far away from me, Brian, it's hard for me to hear you where I'm sitting. But Nobody's no, I ever said that to me. But we do have to worry, Dan. Listen, in all these names, whatever it is, yeah. to, and sort of to Tim's point, Companies can stop paying dividends. They can cut those yields. I mean, I think Guy's point about Kohl's is a really interesting one. You know, at the end of 2018, the stock was trading 80. It's at 36 bucks right now. You get that dividend yield. So basically, the five-year low is down at these levels in the mid-30s, and you say to yourself, okay, is this stock going? The risk-reward is important. You have to have a view on the stock, on the fundamentals, and then if the dividend yield works, just understand that if you get the stock direction right, that yield's going to be lower. All right, let's switch now over to energy because... (laughs) Obviously, a lot of very high dividend-yielding names here. you got Occidental Petroleum, Schlumberger, ExxonMobil, Chevron. Steve, I'll start with you. I mean, I don't know how much more we could talk about these companies. Exxon's yield at 6.7, I think, is the highest in 30 years. Occidental may well be the highest ever. But again, there's no guarantee these companies aren't going to cut their capital spending. Although, you know, Chevron... Yesterday, yes. they basically said they're going to give money back to, to uh, shareholders for five years. But... They could, they could cut dividends. They could cut dividends. But when I look at ExxonMobil, it's a 7% basically dividend. And then you look at it, the stock down 25% year to date. So in theory, I disagree with the game because I'd never buy something just for the yield because you can give it away in one day or two days, bad price action. And I don't believe the energy space is ripe with any type of bargains. I think we're oversupplied. I think there's a glut of energy, and I think you have to see the overall commodity start to level off first and bounce considerably from here before the subsectors actually I wonder, okay, and I get it. Listen, OPEC is meeting tomorrow and Friday. We did something on Power Lunch and that, but Tim, this is for you. You ready? I I hope so. Because I I wonder if this is, in all seriousness, I wonder if this is maybe the sign of a bottom. Jeffries, the investment bank today, said they are done. They're giving up completely on energy and worse They compared the group 
with the 1962 Metropolitans. Look at that. Oh. The, wor- that is- the worst oh. baseball. Now you told me Literally, you had a Jeffrey surprise said for me energy today, so now is the 62 We're Mets. now a metaphor for the ultimate in futility. Okay, you know, you can do that. And <laughs> by the way, Vegas says 86 wins over under. I'm taking the over. And, and Cespedes, I think, is actually yes. those heels after the wild boar accident are still working. But let's get back to energy. When you're talking about now sub 4% in terms of the weighting of the energy sector in the S&P uh, and it was used to, at its peak, it was somewhere close to 17. You get why they don't need to be in the space. And, and to quote our friend, something inside has died. And, and there's no hiding from the fact that the energy sector has been a widow maker for a lot of people. Having said all that, you talked about Chevron. I think this is one of the one of the most capital disciplined yep. integrated oil companies in the world at a time when rates are zero. Uh, these guys will be paying that dividend till the end of time. They never gave history. it up, even in the worst and, and, time. And I, then, I, John Watts. I can, own, CEO. I can own Chevron here. Slumbers A, quickly. I think you got to break 30 on the upside. You buy it on a breakout. Okay. The most interesting one in that group is Oxy. That's the most levered. Had some huge volume days over the last couple weeks. Yeah, it certainly has. And they owe Buffett some money, too, by the way. All right, let's round things out with the consumer. Names like Kraft Heinz, General Mills, Molson Coors, and Cody, the makeup company. Again, all offering some pretty dividends. Dan, you got... You know, look at Kraft Heinz at 6.2, General Mills at 4%. Any of these look attractive? Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, General Mills over a Kraft Heinz. We know there's a lot of issues there. Um, I don't think you want to kind of dip your toe into the names that have these really structural issues here. So General Mills, you know, we know those staples work okay. They get a little expensive. Oh, we're not we're referring here. to Jeff Mills, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. General. Yeah, we love Jeff. Right. You, Penn Quaker. Hi, Jeff. Play the cross. Yeah, play lax. Ten years ago. Uh, yeah, no. So I, I just think you avoid uh, Kraft Heinz. I, I just don't know why you're involved in that. The thing. only issue with General Mills, I like it. That would be my pick out of this group as well, is that you did have the run when people are stockpiling. This is a packaged food company. So people are going out to stores. They're buying ahead. They're yeah. buying water. They're buying cleaning products. They're bu- buying the stuff that General Mills makes. Yeah. So you might want to wait a little bit until the fever kind of breaks on the virus and see where the stock is then before you go hunting for the yield. All right, coming up. The one name that investors have been piling into as the coronavirus spreads, and it is tanking in the after hours. They just reported their results. There's the chart. We're going to give you the updated trade and the name and what they said coming up. And later on, five big stocks, five big upgrades caught a lightning round on some of Wall Street's biggest calls that you might have missed today. Because, by the way, the Dow was up 1,100 points. The Mets will lose more than 75. Why do that? Why do We're you back have, after I mean, this. Why, why, you know? All right, welcome back. We have got an earnings alert. It is a stock that we told you about before the break, teased, if you will. It is Zoom Video. The stock is down after hours, but far less than it had been. Deirdre Bose out in San Francisco. This was probably the premier coronavirus bull play. It fell big after hours, but it's come way back. What did they say about the quarter? Yeah, that's right, Brian. Consider it the hottest coronavirus trade up some 70% this year. So it was priced for more than perfection. And even though it delivered better than expected numbers on every metric, I repeat, the stock is up 70% this year in just a few months. Now, it's been on a tear as companies, schools and conferences go remote to prevent further impact from coronavirus. According to one estimate, Zoom added more users so far this year than it did in all of 2019. But those big gains have made shares significantly more expensive on a price-to-sales ratio than other premium cloud plays like the ones you see here, Coupa, Zscaler, Datadog, and Workday. So some, like analysts at Goldman and Morgan Stanley, have 
put out notes suggesting that Zoom has maybe gotten over its skis a little bit. But while Zoom has been adding users, keep in mind that costs, they may also be rising, although we don't see that yet in the results. The company lifted limits for free users in China, and it says it's monitoring servers to, quote, ensure maximum reliability. That could cost money. But still, guys, shares have paired their losses. They were down as much as 10% after the results. Now they're down just about 4% in extended trade, Brian. That call is just kicking off, and CEO and founder Eric Yuan is talking. So the Q&A portion is still coming out probably in about 20 minutes. We'll be listening. All right, Deirdre Bosa, thank you very much. I mean, Dan, this has been, you know, bang, zoom to the moon. Uh, is any of this real buying or just, hey, what's the coronavirus play? Buy that stock. Don't even care what they do. I, I think there's a scarcity to the obvious plays that will be. This is a secular trend that's happening. They have a great product. I would say this about the 2019 IPOs. When this company came out, what was unique about it, on an adjusted basis, they were profitable. So that was one of the things where investors were kind of overlooking some of the high valuations. But Deirdre kind of nailed it at 30, 35 times sales. It's a really tough name to get your arm around, even though they are a bit profitable. So that 65% gain since the end of January, when the coronavirus really started to become a thing in the markets, um, you got to think that there's a lot in there for that. So this is one I think all of us felt when this stock was like 60 bucks or whatever, this was a unique tech story, especially out of that 2019 IPO uh, crop. I don't think we can say that right here. Okay. Coming up, we're going to talk banks, bullseyes, and burritos. Mm. It is the five big analyst calls hitting the street today. We're all about the alliteration, all right? And later on, we spotted a big bet in the options market ahead of tomorrow's OPEC meeting. OPEC options, options action, Mm. Tim. Love this, by the way, our special coverage. Special coverage tonight, markets in turmoil. 1,100-point game for the Dow, but not everything is all clear. 7 o'clock tonight. Don't miss it again. We're back after this. All right, we're going to call this the top five at five, or, or maybe not. I think that's taken. Five big calls from five big analyst notes hitting the street today. Let's call it the fast five, shall mm. we? Let's kick things off. Here you go. Morgan Stanley upgraded to a buy at Citibank. So City upgrading Morgan Stanley calls it a quality franchise on sale guy. Quality franchise on sale. I actually like this upgrade only because you had that massive double top that we talked about. The stock cratered. Tested levels we saw, you know, probably within the last six months seemingly held. So if you want to play stock market, it makes sense. I still don't love the banks, but at least Morgan Stanley gives you something to trade against. Brian. All right, next up, Wells Fargo upgrading Chipotle to overweight. The analyst bullish on the restaurant's Chipotle Lane drive through expansion. They say that this could be, Steve Grasso, the dominoes of this decade. Yeah, I agree with that. And Chipotle's found a way to do a lot of things right. But I, and I also believe that coronavirus has affected it. When you see the stock sell off, it's below all its moving averages. The 200 is at $800. Just keep an eye on 700 and 800. You're in no man's land here, but I do like it. Side question. Wouldn't restaurants with drive throughs benefit if people are afraid of coming? Still got in people hacking over your food that are making it. Uh, they're not hacking. They are not hacking. I'm not sure that's, there are a lot of yeah, hardworking people. I'm not, not sure that that's what he meant. Yes, as far as, I mean, it's exactly. not a Chipotle thing. It's just a general comment. General oh, comment. General comment. All right, moving on to Target. Goldman Sachs adding the retail to conviction buy list, saying it stands to benefit from competitors, stores, closures. Tim, do you like this call? Well, I, I think it's, it's a good call in terms of they are operating with a lot of efficiency. If you look at actually their holiday numbers, they were in a close to 
7% up, uh, up 13% for the year. The stock had a massive run. Uh, it has pulled back. So in terms of their execution, I think it's been very strong. They, I, look, I think we are overstored in terms of the big box. And I think you do need to see that. I think it's fiercely competitive, especially in their food. Um, but on this pullback, Target looks interesting. Oh, well, speaking of big box stores, let's move on to the next call. Another retail name, Home Depot. They also got an upgrade to a buy from a neutral Nomura Instanet. The analyst saying it can benefit from a strong housing market as well. Guy Adami, that people may nest due to the virus impact. Stay home, spend money, not travel. Go get your gardening supplies. Get out there in the spring. Dig in the earth, which I happen to love to do. Listen, a lot of reasons like Home Depot. I don't think valuation is one of them. That's what they cited. But you know what? I don't think it's particularly expensive at 21 and a half times. I think 250 is the price target. I do think it gets there. I, you know, I, I'm long Home Depot. I really like the stock. It's it's basically at all-time highs. It's come all the way back, and I think lower rates and just a snapback. But um, that's not the re- this virus is not the reason to go buy Home Depot. I mean, you know, just like hurricanes, when people are going to buy more masking tape and plywood, is not the reason to buy Home Depot. So uh, buy it because it's a duopoly, because they're a lot better uh, in terms of their their operational efficiency yep. than than Lowe's. All right, good stuff there. By the way, the Indigo Girls, you got a Tend the earth if you want a rose off hammer and nail. Last but not least, Oracle upgraded to buy at Societe Generale, saying this stock is a good defensive bet against coronavirus. Dan, what do you think of this one? I, I don't know how you attach those two things if you're going to say the secular shift towards the cloud, the recurring nature of a lot of their revenues. But this is not a particularly exciting company right now. The last couple quarters, this is even before the virus came around, were disappointing with guides lower. And I'll just make one other point. The 52-week high came last July. So, you know, the market just topped off um, from an all-time high just a week and a half ago. And this thing is, you know, six to eight months uh, from its all-time highs. I just don't. I think it's a bit of a value trap here, so I'm not buying it. All right. Good stuff there with the Fast Five. All right, coming up, a big bet in the options market, all out of tomorrow's critical OPEC meeting. We're going to drill down on that call ahead. But first, here's a look at the Kramer cam. Jim is chatting with Dollar Tree's CEO. That stock also under pressure, like pretty much every retailer this year. What could it take to turn it around? You're going to find out, of course, the top of the hour in Mad Money. We're not done, though, yet. We're at the NASDAQ in Times Square. We're back after this. All right. Welcome back. Oil giving back a little bit of what it gained yesterday ahead of tomorrow's critical OPEC meeting, where the market is hoping a major supply cut could be announced, maybe a million plus barrels on top of what they're already doing. Crude prices have already tumbled nearly 25 percent this year, of course, due in part to coronavirus, global economic slowdowns and just too much doggone oil everywhere. Meantime, over in the options market, you've got one trader who is throwing down a multi-million dollar bet that the crude collapse is not anywhere near being over. Mike Coe's in San Francisco with what they're betting on. Mike. Yeah, so we're looking today at the WTI oil futures contract options. What we saw today was that puts out traded calls by about two to one. Usually they're about even. And on top of all of that, they also represented the five most active options. The trade we were looking at was the June 34-29 put spread. This morning, over 11,000 of those had traded, and by the end of the day, over 12,000 of them traded. Those are making bearish bets that the June futures contract could drop below 34 by June expiration. That would be a significant decline from where the June future was trading today. That was about $47. And this trade, which costs a little over $2 million in total premium, would be worth about $55 million if it did get down to that lower level. Although, let's point out, that's probably a fairly low 
uh, probability bet. What we can also see is that the implied volatility for oil futures options right now is extremely elevated. And what this chart isn't showing us is how much the puts are actually bid. So definitely seeing some bearish activity despite the big declines that we've seen. Uh, that's incredible. And I just asked Dan, I think my mic was up actually. Mike, so thank you very much. Is that somebody just trying to waste $2 million or is that because it's a low probability bet? I mean, you have to be super bearish or to your point, is it a hedge? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's hitting levels we haven't seen in a long time. I think the fundamentals are different than they were at the lows back in 2016. Obviously, this unknowable thing about global growth. So you're seeing a lot of different activity. It could be speculative, could be a hedge. 2016, the low was around $42. 2017, both of these were in summers. One was in August, one was in June or so. Then it was a uh, 2018 low in December, around $42. OPEC has become less and less relevant. We've seen the stock market, or, or the oil market, I should say, move less and less based on geopolitical fears. So if it does break down, and we do see it break down below that 42 mark, this thing could head to lower 30s really, really precipitously. Well, if Libya... So I'm usually there at the OPEC meetings, but we didn't go for a lot of reasons. There's no media allowed, by the way, at this event. They're keeping them at a hotel ways away. They don't, they don't want the media anywhere near them. If you don't get a million barrels a day cut, you're probably going to see a big slide in oil, are you not? I, I just, you know, I, I actually think OPEC has done a pretty extraordinary job over the last 18 months. I think oil is all about supply. I think it's all about what, what's been going on in terms of the, the, the non-conventional that's come out of the U.S., the, the other alternative fuels that have come online, and OPEC has had to reel it in. Um, by the way, there's no question that Biden is, is, is helpful to the energy sector. So that's another dynamic here which may relieve some of the pressure. All right, guys, thank you very much. In the meantime, we got some headlines crossing right now. I'll call it breaking news, if you wish, from St. Louis Fed Bank President Jim Bullard. He says he is optimistic the United States can handle the coronavirus outbreak. But the bigger headline I think he made just a moment ago, he says that the Fed needs more data to justify further rate cuts. Remember, the Fed meets two weeks from now, March 18th, I think it is, guys. And based on Fed funds futures, it's pretty much a, like a 100% chance, Guy, that there's going to be another rate cut. But Bullard's saying, got to see more data. Well, I mean, you know my views on the Fed. I mean, yes, they need to see more data. They're following the rest of the world down this rabbit hole because somehow we're supposed to be leaders to negative rates instead of followers. The whole thing is absolute madness. Again, the market seems to like it, which is great. That's the role of this whole thing in the first place. Tim has alluded to that many times. But you know what? At a certain point, you got to pay the piper, and we are precariously close to that point. All right, on that happy note, we're going to leave it there, go to break, and come back with your final trades. All right, time now for your final trades. Tim, please kick it off. If you were waiting for an opportunity to buy Home Depot, you missed it. But it's a great long-term story, and I do think that the fundamentals warrant owning it here. Grasso. Snapchat. Uh, the stock went down $4, basically, on coronavirus. I don't see it. Bye. <laughs> no relationship, Dan. Uh, Jeff Blue got nailed last month, down 30%. I think he's trying to find a bottom here at 15. I like it here. We've done this show for over 13 years. The first time the Indigo Girls ever been mentioned, thankfully, Brian, because I can't name an Indigo Girl song. That said, the snapback rallies in energy are going to be fierce. I think Oxy's due for one. Thank you, Galileo. Diadami. Thanks for watching Fast Money Mad with Jim Cramer starts right now. We'll see you tomorrow night. Great cover of This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.